You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. The Paracast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. Today we're going to honor somebody that many of you never heard of. But to us and to people deeply involved in UFO research, he was considered what we call the rock of ufology. And to honor Lucius Farish on the Paracast, Chris and I have assembled some longtime friends of mine, Jerome Clark, whom I've known for, you know, as long as there's been time, Kurt Southerly, Rick Hilberg, he's new to the show, We'll talk to Rick a little bit later because he used to be involved with a magazine called UFO Magazine, having nothing to do with the UFO Magazine that we all know about that was run by Don and Vicki Ecker and later by Bill and Nancy Burns. Of course, Nancy Talbot, whom we've talked to on a number of occasions about crop circles, but also has a long association with Lucius Farish. Jerry Clark, since you are the honorary historian here, amongst our crew. Would you tell our listeners who was Lucius Farish? Well, Lou was somebody that I knew, like Eugene, about as long as I've been in this subject, which is back in the early 60s. Lou and I began corresponding about 1964, 1965. And I think that that's how a lot of us got to know each other. Ray Palmer used to have a Flying Saucer Club News Department in his magazine, Flying Saucers, and it was really served a great, what we would now call a networking function. And all of us got in touch directly or indirectly through Flying Saucer Club News. And I'm It was almost sure like that. the first Facebook. Before there was a Facebook, there was right. a Flying Saucer Club News. And I think that Directly or indirectly, Lou and I began corresponding. He was always a few years older than, than I am, and Lou was just like so many of us, just someone who stumbled into the subject and thought, hmm, this is interesting. I'd like to know more about this. And in those days, you know, it was really hard to find people to communicate with about, you know, a fringe subject like this. So when you found people who seemed to know something and with whom you were personally compatible, you had old-fashioned correspondence, putting letters through the mail, waiting for a letter to come from your correspondent. And all of us did that very actively. And Lou and I corresponded pretty much for the rest of our, certainly the rest of his life. And Lou was perhaps his most lasting contribution that people would know him for was he put together a UFO news clipping service, which was exactly what it sounded like, a bunch of current newspaper clippings put into legal-sized paper and put in the mail and kept us all up to date in the pre-internet days about UFO sightings and Fortean phenomena in in the newspapers. Beyond that, Lou had a, a UFO conference down in Arkansas where he lived all of his life, and which I never attended. I was never invited to, sad to say. But I could understand why, because Lou and I didn't really see things the same. He was more oriented toward contactees and things like that than I was. And we'd argued about that at one time many years ago, and quite loudly and vociferously, and then we just agreed to disagree. 
And in the course of my life, I met Lou in person, I think, only twice. And I was just struck at what a nice man he was. He was soft-spoken and gentle in his manner. And I just really enjoyed being in his company. I wish I could have done that more often. But he was somebody who, through persistence and through the contributions that he made in his own way, you know, will be remembered. He was just somebody who just was a good guy and, and, and made a mark in the right way. I don't know what else to say about him, but I know that I will miss him. He wasn't a self-promoter. That's one of the reasons why I think many people may have heard, heard the name but weren't familiar with uh, Lou and his work and who he was. Well, one thing that uh, I think a lot of people out there should realize is that Lou Farish was was not a self-promoter. A lot of the, the main people in this field, um, with some exceptions like uh, like Jerry and and others, uh, they, they don't go around touting themselves and, and building up a cult of personality. I think I think Lou, one of his, uh, you know, the news clipping services Jerry uh, mentioned before was like the internet before the internet, and that's how I got to know him. It was very very important when that when that clipping service came came to my mailbox. Uh, and I think one of the things that our listeners will find out today is is what a visionary he was uh, in terms of his conference and, uh, and, the, and the news clipping service. Nancy Talbot, you knew Lou Farish very well. Tell us how you remember him. Well, I didn't. Nobody, very few people knew Lou well. He was a very private uh, Southern gentleman, but I did know and, and have some information here from this marvelous guy, Jerry Blackburn, who grew up with Lou, knew Lou very well, and was with him throughout these last several months, uh, making sure that Lou was informed about, you know, he got messages and cards and everything from all of us. And he told me that at the memorial service, a couple of things came out that even he didn't know. Uh, first of all, that Lou could read the newspaper. He was quite smart, and he could read newspapers uh, when he went to the first grade that he was valedictorian of his uh, high school class and president of his high school, high school class uh, for you know, all, almost all the years he was in school. His, uh, what I loved about him personally was, because my father was a Southerner and because I was raised in the South, uh, I like this very understated, fairly gentle way, this self-promotion crap I can't stand. And Lou, he went after the information that he thought was significant without any particular regard for whether you were famous or not famous, or he cared about whether your work was good and whether it would be informative for his audience, which were primarily Southerners. And I think a lot of what he did was create that hospitality atmosphere which the South is right, rightfully famous for, by also having this fabulous thing called the Lone Star Bar. And it turns out that Gary Massey and Tom Adams and Dave Perkins, who were the original uh, guys that were taking on the whole cattle mutilation thing, they knew Lou way back when from that Fort, uh, what was it called, Fort something or other, Arkansas, Fort Smith. Fort Smith. Yes. And uh, they all sort of connected up, apparently, from that conference. And when Lou decided to start the Eureka Springs thing, Gary went with him. 
and took their, the way the physical layout down there at Eureka Springs allowed Gary to take a few rooms on the very edge of one row of these you know, rooms for motels. And he opened them up and just made a free bar. And we all would buy stuff, potato chips and, you know, all that kind of stuff, and put in some booze. And Gary would cook for everybody uh, fajitas that would just burn your mouth off. <laughs> he was a, he played bass. And Dave uh, Perkins, we ran this little band, and Dave was the lead singer and guitar player. And then in addition, we had Dave Murf Murphy on percussion, on percussion and a guy named Steve Martin who did a lot of the lead guitar work. And they'd sit in the back room of this double section that they you know, used for this and play music, original music, as well as you know, well-known hits, hours and on end with everybody and their mother. I mean, the place would be so jam-packed, you couldn't see straight. And it was in that atmosphere where people, serious researchers, would hang out and they could talk without cameras and without microphones and argue amongst themselves seriously, carry on real debate about what a particular finding meant or didn't mean. It was very serious discussion in these situations with all this fabulous music going on the whole time. I'll tell you what, we'll get more into the music and lots more with our all-star panel with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The Tech Night Owl Live is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For our listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service, such as Steve Jobs, the best-selling biography from Walter Isaacson. For that free audiobook, go to audiblepodcast.com slash owl. That's audiblepodcast.com slash owl. You know, we we develop trust in the people we know, but we don't really know someone we can see. That's why I recommend GoToMeeting with HD Faces. It's a simple online meeting service. It's GoToMeeting by Citrix. All it takes is a webcam and a click to instantly collaborate. You can start hosting your own face-to-face -face online meetings today with GoToMeeting. You can try it free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. If you're taking one, two, five, or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with BioSuperfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered BioSuperfood from BioAge.com. And now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The BioSuperfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. BioSuperfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a no-brainer. Bio Superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family. Learn more and order your Bio Superfood formulas at BioAge.com. Spelled B-I-O-A-G-E.com. BioAge.com. Or call 877-288-9116. That's 877-288-9116. BioAge. The age of advanced organics. 
Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with Fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your Fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com. Or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. FakeTV.com, the burglar deterrent. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download. Direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. With Gene Steinberg and Chris O'Brien, you're in the Paracast. We are honoring the late Lucius Farish, who meant a lot to many people in the UFO field, particularly those who were involved in the 70s and 80s. We have Nancy Talbot of BLT Research, who, of course, is specialized in crop circle investigation. My old buddy, Kurt Southerly, who's also written quite a bit on UFOs. Jerry Clark, our favorite UFO historian. And Rick Hilberg, who's new to the show, and we'll get into a lot more detail, Nancy, about what you remember from okay. Lou Farish. I wanted to get into some other remembrances first. Kurt, it's been, I think, over two years since you've been on the Paracast, and we're so glad to have you back, my friend. Tell us how you remember Lou Farish. Well, Lou is one of the first people that uh, I got in touch with on a regular basis once I got involved in UFO research. And in fact, I have to echo something that uh, Jerry mentioned earlier. He uh, said that back there, there was a point in time when you first started as an individual, you would first start to get involved in something like this. And when you hooked up with somebody or you met someone or heard of someone who had a similar interest, you tended to gravitate toward that person. And that's what happened with me and Lou. At one point, I, I don't remember how I managed to get his address. It may have been from Rick Hilberg. I sent him, sent Lou a, uh, a letter 
He responded with a short letter, and that set off a series of letters. And, of course, this is long before email. And we corresponded through the mail, probably in the order of one, maybe two letters a week uh, for, for years. I mean, we'd discuss anything. I talked to Lou a couple of times in the telephone. He would actually have to go to a payphone to uh, to call me or to receive my call because he didn't have a phone at the house at the time. But I felt about Lou like he was the big brother that I never had during that period. I mean, he was somebody that I could bounce off the wildest ideas and the craziest concepts about UFOs or paranormal phenomena of any sort. And he would listen and he would understand. He wouldn't always agree with me. In fact, most of the time we didn't agree. But he would he would listen. He would throw a response back either over the phone or through a letter. And we would just continue this. And it was this constant dialogue that went on for years. And, of course, then finally I did get to meet him during the uh, – the infamous trip that Gene and I made to the Fort Smith conference where we stopped at Plummerville and actually picked up Lou and took him along. And uh, I guess, Gene, I guess we can probably get into that a little later. Well, you know, it's very funny, too, because I think that was the last for that car. It started smoking and belching (laughs) every time we'd start the car. And this, if you look up the history on Wikipedia, look up the history of the Mazda RX-2, one of the first of the Mazda rotary engine cars in the U.S., and you'll see what went wrong and what the defects were. But that's what happened. So I can say the Fort Smith, Arkansas event in 1975 pretty well did that car in. And by the way, if you go online and check my Facebook page, there's a picture of me at that event with Stanton Friedman. I will not say who was aged better. <laughs> as far as the car goes, I remember we left Plummerville with Lou in the back. You know, literally a cloud of smoke billowing out of that car all the way to Fort Smith. <laughs> it was white smoke, by the way. Yes, it was. <laughs> and technically it's when the rotor seals get... And I don't want to get into automotive stuff. It was pretty crazy. But you also bought a present with you. Yes, I did. For Lou uh, Farish. And this is a famous lunch meat, I guess. Well, I think this was an idea that you and I had cooked up together. You know, I mean, you were, at the time, you were kind of a quasi-Pennsylvania native, and, of course, you knew about Lebanon bologna. Uh, I don't know how many how many of your listeners have ever heard of Lebanon bologna. I'm sure that a lot of them have. Some maybe in the West Coast have never heard of it. But I bought an entire log of Lebanon bologna. This is about a, a two, two-and-a-half-foot-long log. This thing's about, oh, six inches in diameter. And I had oh about this uh, in one of the letters, and he had never had Lebanon bologna. He had never heard of it. Anyway, I took this along on the trip, and when we got there, Gene and I presented this to Lou, and uh, he tucked it away in his house, and we took off for Fort Smith. Months later, uh, long after the conference is over and we're back in our normal routines, Lou and I were again corresponding, and one day I received a letter from him. And all it said, typed very neatly in the middle of the page, was, the baloney is all gone <laughs> <laughs> And he uh, later we talked about it a little, a little more seriously, and he said, he, he said it was terrific. He said he really, you know, would have liked to have had another log of this stuff, and I, I, I should have just packed another one up and sent it to him, but for some reason I never did. I, it was, it was just one of those kind of comical things that had nothing at all to do with the UFO phenomenon or any kind of 14 phenomena, but it was, it was part of the, the spirit, part of the atmosphere of the, the UFO club, if you want to call it that, back at the time. Yeah. I mean, and Gene and I talked about this a little before the show. This People like Lou and some of the others that have already passed on, uh, and, and of course we're, we're getting up there ourselves. None of us are young anymore. 
we're part of a dying breed. And when, when we're gone, there isn't going to be anything like that again ever. Because the kids today that are doing their research, quote-unquote research, on the Internet, they don't understand. I think maybe Chris is probably one of, the, of a few of the younger people that are out there that are still doing some serious research. But for the most part, it's just not happening anymore. And it's sad, and Lou is part of that. And Lou is in the, in the vanguard of that. Yeah, he was, too. By the way, that other voice, we got another voice we're going to introduce here, and that is somebody I've known longer than anyone on this panel, for better or worse. His name is Rick Hilberg, and as I mentioned when I introduced you earlier, Rick, you mm-hmm. once had a magazine called UFO Magazine, no relationship to the current one, but of course you never trademarked the name, so you have no rights against the current one. Tell us about the original UFO Magazine. Well, the original UFO magazine started about the time I first got in touch with Lou Farish, and that was probably, I would say, about 1962. Again, you know, as you, you mentioned before, that iconic column in Ray Palmer's magazine, the Flying Saucer Club News. I got in touch with several researchers, or, or we like to call ourselves researchers. We were just teen ufologists. And uh, one of those being Alan Greenfield, the Southern fellow. from uh, He was then living in Atlanta. And uh, actually, Alan gave me um, Lou Farish's uh, name and, and address and everything. And I you know, started to correspond with Lou. And he, I would uh, send him the UFO magazine. And, and that, that's kind of how we hooked up together. But a UFO magazine ran from like 1962 up until 1970, when my good friend, the late Al Manick, uh, who started a, a, a friendly rival publication called uh, Flying Saucer Digest, approached me and said, how'd you like to join forces? And this was back in 1970. Uh, we indeed, uh, you know, joined forces, and that's when UFO magazine was gone. You're right, I never trademarked it or anything like that. And and when the uh, the later day magazine came out, it uh, you know it was kind of like a boy I I did better than this and and I'm rather proud of the of the UFO magazine the old zine um, and that uh, we carried a lot of you know nice speculative articles uh, uh, a lot of sightings uh, and we took a very very you know conservative approach as I think you know most people took in those days. Hey, we have Rick Hilberg with us. We have Kurt Southerly, Jerry Clark, Nancy. T- Albert, and you're on with Gene and Chris because you're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. When it comes to running a successful business, there are many things you have to get right. But one thing is often overlooked, and that's protecting the data that powers your business. Computers, servers, external hard drives, and even tape backups are vulnerable to failure. In the U.S. alone, over 140,000 hard drives fail each and every week. According to one study, only 7% of companies that lose their data centers for 10 days or more survive beyond the year. So I want to tell you about our friends at Mosey. The most trusted name in online backup. Give our friends at Mosey a call. They've been doing this for a long time and run the most secure, most trusted online backup service. Right now, you could save 15% by using the promo code PODCAST15. That's PODCAST15. Call 877-669-9776. That's 877-669-9776. Or visit moseypro.com. That's M-O-Z-Y-Pro.com. 
Whether you want to send roses, carnations, whether you've got hundreds to spend or just a little, Farm Fresh Flowers is your place for Valentine's flowers, birthdays, anniversaries. Call right now and save 12% with the code Radio K. That's Radio K. Go to farmfreshflowers.com, type it in the coupon code, or call them at 800-999-2109. 800-999-2109. Call them now. Farmfreshflowers.com, code Radio K. Hi, this is Ted Anderson, have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800 800- 346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. I have bought a few bottles of heart and body extract and have to say that it, it certainly does work. That's what Jack from Michigan had to say after his experience with heart pain and what he did to treat it with heart and body extract. I actually had a huge heart flutter. I was also having some edema around my ankles and very worrisome clot in my uh, right leg that would happen from time to time while I was trying to sleep. Heart and Body Extract is all natural with no negative side effects. It will help repair or correct past problems associated with the heart and body circulation. After my second bottle of Heart and Body Extract, all problems are now gone. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. I ordered a third bottle of Heart and Body Extract for maintenance as I want to keep everything working. Order Heart and Body Extract at 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? With Gene and Chris, we have an all-star guest lineup with Nancy Talbot, Jerome Clark, Kurt Sutherly, Rick Hilberg. New to our show, Rick. Of course, you've heard the others. And we're talking about the life and times of not just Lucius Farish, but also the life and times of the UFO field, especially during the 60s, 70s, and 80s. So, Rick, there's another thing we should talk about. And this is something that I mentioned before we did a show, by the way, honoring the late Richard Hall, who at yeah. that time in the 60s was a big wig, the, the second in command or the acting director over at NICAP, Major Keogh's organization. And we've talked about this because on that particular trip back in 1965, 
you and I, Rick, Alan Greenfield, and one of my friends from Brooklyn, New York, Marty Salkind, haven't heard from him in years. I think this whole experience completely upset him. But you were with me. We go to the headquarters of NICAP, National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, in Washington, D.C., off DuPont Plaza, very near where, in the movie, Dave Ear stood still, Michael Rennie gets right. shot down, within, yeah, right. you know, a stone's throw from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was your feeling about what you were dragged into? Well, it was kind of a, it was a very funny situation. Of course, you and I and Greenfield were quite active um, in the UFO field at that time. Uh, Greenfield had several publications over the years. You had a very nice publication at the time, as you recall. I can't remember the name of the dog on it. Was it the UFO Cider or Reporter or something like that? I can't remember. But anyway, we were all very involved. Um, actually, the day before this confrontation happened on Connecticut Avenue, we all drove down to Luray, Virginia, to interview the, the famous uh, Major Kehoe, Don Kehoe. And we spent a whole afternoon with him, and, and I believe you had a tape recorder and, uh, or Greenfield did or whatever. And we, we you know, had a very nice chat with him and, and discussed UFO research and whatnot. And the next day, we were scheduled to visit the NICAP offices. And we walked into the office and introduced ourselves. And then Mr. Hall came out, Dick Hall came out and, and saw Eugene, and he said, you know, you're not welcome here. You know, please leave the office. So all of us left, and as they recall... We were, you know, somewhat indignant about the whole thing. It, it was not really fair. I mean, you uh, you had criticized NICAP in, uh, in print a few times, and particularly, you know, along with Jim Mosley. We immediately, you know, took offense at this. This was not playing fair. And we, I think we went down to a stenographer's office somewhere in the vicinity and dictated a letter to Ray Palmer and had it notarized, telling of the whole, you know, the sorry affair. <laughs> and Ray ran a letter from us and an article called No Investigations Can Actually Proceed, which, of course, was NICAP again. And what's more interesting is before we did that, though, I knew Ray Palmer. You and I were on that trip. We met Ray Palmer in Amherst, Wisconsin. And I called Ray and I said, what do you want us to do? What do you think we should do about this? And he said, just send me the letter and I'll take care of it. He sure did. Now, at the same time, we had this movement then called Hall Must Fall, something that Jim Mosley and I devised. And what, a year or two later, Hall was gone from NICAP. Yes. And not too long after that, NICAP itself, you know, sort of self-destructed over the years. There have been so many allegations about, you know, that it was taken over by, you know, government influences or whatever. But I, I think it was just a very ineptly run organization. And actually, the, the main thrust of NICAP was not so much. It was twofold. One, to try to end their perceived government censorship of UFO information through the uh, vehicle of congressional hearings. And they, they came out with a, a, a rather large book in 1964 that, that they call edited the UFO Evidence, uh, volume one of it. And it had hundreds and hundreds of cases in there. And it was basically mailed to all the members of Congress in the hope of you know, getting congressional hearings. And I think that's really where NICAP fell down because they, they, they put their entire thrust behind getting these congressional hearings and trying to uh, trying to break the silence group, as Kehoe used to sometimes call them. And they lost 
tra- track of the fact that they were, you know, there to really investigate the phenomenon and to to try to come up with some answers. And in my mind, at, at least, I think that that's their that's their big downfall. Of course, organizations such as MUFON, who was really, uh, you know, th- their thing was to really actively investigate. UFOs and to document what they what they found, and I think that's why they succeeded, and NICAP just kind of faded away into uh, obscurity. You covered a lot of that period, Jerry. What's your take on NICAP? I know we've well, talked about it a bit before, but maybe amplify it in terms of what Rick just said. Yeah, I think that everything that Rick says is true. I just uh, want to add some background and detail to this. Uh, first of all, I want to say that Dick Hall was a very close friend of mine and my hero in this field. That said, I also know that Dick had a short fuse, and sometimes even I was at the receiving end of it. But that aside, NICAP basically, because of Kehoe's obsessions, became, at least in its public face, a lobbying group. Keogh was convinced there was a big Air Force cover-up, and the way to uncover it, of course, was through congressional hearings. So if you read the NICAP UFO investigator, its publication, it was mostly about battling the Air Force. But what was going on behind the scenes, and I didn't really appreciate this until I spent a lot of time in the NICAP files while I was researching my UFO encyclopedia in the 1990s, and that is NICAP really did fantastic investigative work through its subcommittees. It had set up the system. Dick Hall was responsible for this, setting up these subcommittees throughout the country. And they were headed, for the most part, by very good, energetic, intelligent people who really, really did superb jobs investigating UFO cases. In fact, the late Dr. James McDonald, who was a physicist interested in UFOs, discovered these files, too, and he said, this is the model of how you conduct the UFO investigation. Unfortunately, very little of that marvelous field work came to light. It was just filed in these big, fat files at NICAP. It was not the subject of books or lengthy papers detailing the investigations of specific cases as it should have been. It's just a lot of that stuff emerges in my encyclopedia. Some of the articles that I wrote are based on the NICAP investigations, stuff that was never published or publicized before. But NICAP really was a group that kind of worked against itself in some ways. And finally, what I want to say is, no, the CIA did not take down NICAP. It was really bad administration. And you NICAP took down NICAP, crap. as they say, right? Yes, NICAP did in NICAP, right. Well, I think one of the things you mentioned is that, you know, Major Kehoe, all his charms, all the ability he had and the people he knew, he wasn't a very good administrator. He was a terrible administrator. In fact, what happened was that some of the well-fixed members of the the board, starting with J.B. Hartraft, became really concerned when they began studying the bylaws and discovered that if NICAP went under and it had significant debts by then, the board members would be financially responsible. Ooh. And when Hartraft saw, saw this, he just went ballistic. He saw to it that Keogh was fired. The whole organization was, and, and Hall was fired. The whole organization was redone to protect the finances of its wealthy benefactors. And eventually the organization just died because it had lost its reason to exist. It was no longer built around a charismatic figure like Kegel, however incompetent an administrator he was. You know, and parenthetically, by the way, 10 years later, I interviewed Kehoe 
over at that Fort Smith UFO conference, as Kurt remembers. I also had a brief encounter with Richard Hall. We shook hands. There's Richard Hall now calling from the other side. And basically, Richard Hall and I shook hands. No harm done. Unfortunately, when we finally got the PowerCast going, and I was thinking of the guests I'd like to have on, Richard Hall was really high on the list, but at that point he was quite ill. And unfortunately, he died, I guess, in virtual poverty at the end of his life. It was was kind of sad, really. He died in poverty, and um, he has really sacrificed his, his life for the subject. He had great integrity, great intelligence, and as I say, he was has always been my model of what a ufology should be. I'll tell you what, we're going to have a lot more to talk about. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com. I've been telling you about eFoods Direct for a while now. Here are my top 10 reasons to stock up on food from eFoods Direct. Number 10, the food I get from eFoods Direct tastes great. Number 9, the eFoods meals are easy to prepare. 8, eFoods Direct delivers the food right to my front door. 7, most of these meals cost less than $2. 6, with their large variety, I can eat it every day. 5, I always have access to high quality and delicious food. Number 4, eFoods products don't spoil, so I never waste any food. 3. eFoods uses only safe, healthy ingredients. Number 2. I have my own food supply and don't depend on the grocery store. And the number one reason I promote eFoods Direct is they build special offers just for my listeners. Folks, don't wait. Get prepared now. We all need to be self-sufficient. Call eFoods Direct at 800-409-5633 and ask for the Alex Jones special. Call eFoods Direct at 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes, revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30 
30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee. So are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle? Then call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. Or visit LeSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com. LeSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Powerful forces are trying to destroy your health. It's a fact that we're surrounded by a sea of environmental toxins, from mercury and vaccines and dental fillings, to aluminum and chemtrails, to pesticides and toxic chemicals sprayed all over our food. Even nuclear radiation, which is still spewing out of Fukushima, has contaminated the water and food supply in the U.S. But there is a solution. Liquid Zeolite is an extraordinary natural formula, which safely and effectively removes all kinds of toxins from the body, including capturing heavy metals, pesticides, viruses, and radioactive particles. Use Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com for fatigue, headaches, digestion, memory loss, influenza, and joint pain. Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee and is available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Zeolite at RestoreYourHealthNow.com or call 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. 100% safe, 100% amazing. Try Liquid Zeolite today. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast, and we're focusing on a lot of subjects here, starting with Lucius Farish and how he inspired us to think about other things. And you kind of think here of this UFO clipping service that he provided for everyone. It's almost like the first Google, because you can get all your information in one place. You didn't have to didn't have the ability to search online in those days. You didn't have the cheap computers everybody has. Our guests are Kurt Southerly, Rick Hilberg, Jerry Clark, Nancy Talbot. Nancy, why don't you add a few comments here? Well, I'm listening to these other guys and uh, remembering I was not involved in the UFO field back then, although I had had some, I actually had a close encounter when I was a kid, but I knew all of these people and was very surprised when I got a call from Lou for the first time to come and be part of the conference. And I, what I hear people talking about, and I agree with 100%, is Lou was interested in real research, uh, not just stories, not just people's ideas and imaginings, but he wanted and was interested in serious research and serious debate. The fact uh, what that I was involved at that time, and still am, in this very scientific approach to the crop circle situation, apparently it fascinated Lou, and that's why he uh, asked me to come uh, down to the conference. And he gave me, I'll never, I'm so honored now when I think of it, that he, the information, we had so much information that it was hard to put it in a very narrow, say, one-hour slot. And so Lou gave me Friday night was my night. And I could go as long, two hours, three hours, as long as I felt, or as long as I had material to present to that audience. And it was quite an honor. And it gave me the opportunity to present in depth information that in most of these conferences, you really don't have the time to do a very thorough job if you're talking about scientific work, because there are lots of nuances that have to be explained in order for people to get the whole point. And Lou was absolutely intent that that information be made available, and he gave me a fabulous opportunity to do it. I am honored 
that he did that for me and will never forget it. I think also that Lou, one of his greatest gifts was there are many opinions in the UFO field and in the crop circle field in all of the anomalous phenomena research. People have many different ideas. And Lou encouraged real discussion, a real debate, not acrimonious, you know, blah, 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 back and forth, you're an idiot, you're a fool, but discussion and debate about the factually derived material. And it was that aspect of his conference, much of which took place at the Lone Star, where people, I mean, they'd sit up all night long. Literally, I saw Dawn, I think, every single night that I was down there were a couple of years we were up for days. Yeah. <laughs> and this would be ongoing, serious discussions where people were presenting very different opinions or ideas and then listening to the next guy's opinions and ideas, picking them apart whenever that could be done. But it was done in the spirit of genuine interest in trying to figure out what the heck was going on. My earliest exposure to the Eureka Springs Conference was just a couple years after getting involved in this field as a as an aspiring field investigator. And I remember distinctly my first trip to the Ozark Conference is where I met uh, some of my now longtime friends in the field. And, uh, of course, uh, Tom Adams and Gary Massey, those two unsung heroes. Uh, I, we'll talk about Gary a little bit later, I think. But... Uh, those two guys did more, I think, to to really further the conference and really uh, get the whole vibe of the Lone Star Bar in a in a really productive uh, way, so that people could let their hair down, and and really, as Nancy was describing, uh, debate the the finer points of of our research. And one thing I must say, I mean, I, I'm jealous, Nancy, that Lou would have you and not only give you a slot but give you the whole evening invariably the four or five years that I went, Lou would have on Sunday mornings, he would have uh 20 minute little mini uh, presentations that, um, you know, the, not the main speakers, but other speakers would be invited to give uh, little summations of, of their work. And wouldn't you know it every year, Lou had me on as the first speaker at eight in the morning. And oh I gosh. remember two or three years in a row, I literally would get about 20 minutes or half hour to sleep to be ready for that uh, that Sunday morning slot. So uh, consider yourself lucky in that regard. I I always got stuck with the toughest slot in the whole conference. Now that is the toughest because everybody was so hungover that if they could get down there, they probably couldn't hear too good. I know what that slot feels like. I've done that once or twice when it was not with the the publisher had me running around promoting the book. It's pretty hard. <laughs> You know, there are very few places now. People have become so uh, uh, imbued with their own opinions, and there are very few opportunities now to uh, discuss, intelligently discuss, uh, ideas, because people's egos have gotten involved in whatever their own stance is. And so what happens in many situations now is the egos of somebody surfaces to the point where uh, a real debate, where what you're talking about is the subject, not your opinions. It's very difficult to find an outlet for that uh, anymore. And Lou was an absolute genius at arranging a situation that then allowed for that to happen. And of course, Gary and Tom 
and uh, uh, David Perkins and Dave Murphy, these guys, they were all part of it. They were part of the ambiance that set the tone that then made it so that everybody felt free to say whatever was of real interest to them and uh, not be, they wouldn't be attacked. They would be listened to and then people would raise whatever serious questions they had. There was no holding back, but it wasn't acrimonious. It was real debate. You know, a lot of that I think started with some of the, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a, Maybe before I go any further, I better back up a little bit. I'm kind of a Johnny come lately to this. Outside of outside of Chris, I think, uh, and maybe you, Nancy. Everybody here has been involved in UFO research a lot longer. Well, maybe not a lot longer, but about probably about eight, ten years longer than I uh, I have been. Uh, I came in all of this in the late '60s, early '70s. Uh, and the Fort Smith conference, which we've referred to a number of times, was one of the first really big conferences that I attended. And Nancy, you're talking about uh, some of the the discussions that went on uh, in Eureka Springs with with Lou and and Gary Massey and and the rest of them. Uh, Tom Adams, Adams and Massey were at Fort Smith. Yeah, there were on. Two or three nights, and Gene, you were part of this. If you recall, we had on a couple of different nights, maybe three different nights, we would have gatherings in somebody's room or another, and there would be a bunch of us. We'd just crowd in there, and, and just like Nancy was talking about, we'd be up all night. We'd be just discussing, debating, and it was it was pretty pretty intense. It was it was fun. It caused people to think in new ways, come up with new ideas. And I remember, and I think Gene, you actually wrote about this at one point in an article. You said that you were surprised at how much Lou conformed with the, the feelings about the UFO phenomenon at the time, uh, the, the, this, new in, this new envisioning of the UFO phenomenon, which was coming on about uh, having to do with, with other dimensions, uh, yeah, any, yeah. something other, than, something other than, than hardcore nuts and bolts, which is kind of what Lou was known for at that point. But, I mean, we, we, the, the, the conversation would go back and forth. We'd discuss paraphysical things we discussed nuts and bolts ideas and it was it was wonderful and i remember thinking at the time how lucky i was to have suddenly found myself in the midst of something like that i mean i was at the time i was nobody i hadn't even written more than maybe a couple of magazine articles which were pretty terrible thinking back on them and having reread some of them recently they were absolutely hard <laughs> don't yeah. go back and read your early stuff <laughs> well no, i won't do that either but i should point out that that was one of the most engaging things about many of these ufo conferences to me as well the fact that you can kind of get together and talk shop and it wasn't just hanging out at the bar and getting blasted because i didn't do that okay but i realize other people would but sitting back and having these little sessions where you talk to your peers you try to assess what's going on you try to come up with ideas and suggestions and it was more than holding conferences as you do today. And I think a lot of the conferences today are designed strictly for entertainment, exactly. not for people. Exactly. Right. We're going to get into more of that as we get to our next segment. If you have a comment or a question about the PowerCast, write us, news at thepowercast.com. Once again, that's news at thepowercast.com. We have Nancy Talbot, Kurt Southerly, Rick Hilberg, Jerry Clark with Gene and Chris. You're in the PowerCast.
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. We the People Grow Cotton, Weave Fabric, Engrave Ink, Embed Strips and Fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. An all-star cast on the Paracast with Gene and Chris, with Kurt Southerly, Jerry Clark, Rick Hilberg, Nancy Talbot. Notice I am varying those names because I do not want to see anyone get first building except me and Chris of course because we are egomaniacs we're colossal egomaniacs I wanted to make that clear right but anyway Nancy we're going to say something after the comment from Kurt about the way we'd engage in discussions of UFOs then and how it differs from some of these UFO conferences that are more entertainment than information just get all the whack jobs in one room doesn't matter what their point of view is whether those point of views have any authority Let's bring the people in. Yeah, the the problem, obviously, it costs money to put these things on. And in order to get the people in, most of the promoters or many of the promoters nowadays, the bottom line is what they're interested in rather than the subject matter. And so the conferences end up being, uh, I mean, my impression of almost all the others where I've spoken is that, oh, my God, this is just uh, entertainment. This is per it's a party. It's nobody's interested in in really thinking about these hard questions about you know what is it that is going on, and I find it in one sense discouraging because I want to get into the nitty gritty of the stuff that I know and hear the nitty gritty of what other people know. But then I also think, well, as you know, and you know it better than I, there is still a very small number of us who know there's really something going on. It's not a joke. There really is. The question, of course, is what is it? And sometimes I think that maybe these other conferences, which are set up really more for entertainment, maybe at least they are reaching some people uh, and giving a little bit of a clue to new people, you know, that there is something here that's worthy of some real study. I hope. Well, I know one of the concerns I've had is that MUFON, which is supposedly this very serious scientific organization, they've liberalized the agenda at their events, so some of the more questionable viewpoints are being presented. And I have to look at MUFON, and I can understand it partly because consider this organization. It's been there since the 1960s, 
and they only have 2,700 members as of mm-hmm. the beginning of this year. They're making some big membership drive to increase the members. And I have to think, you're telling me, with people around the world, so much interest in UFOs that one of the longest surviving organizations on the planet can only get 2,700 people to join up? What's wrong with this picture? Well, I think that the whole model of the UFO organization is probably becoming obsolete, yet another victim of the Internet. I don't think that organizations perform the same function they used to. For example, you're talking about these the, you know, the, the conferences and the so on, the social meetings. Internet discussion is really, I think, in the place of those things. I think that it's replaced them. And people can get their fix every day just going to the Internet on UFO updates or some other discussion group. I think that, you know, we've, I agree that we've lost something. There's no question that those kinds of personal connections, those face-to-face conversations, which for one thing are more likely to be polite if they're face-to-face than just dealing with someone anonymously on the Internet. But I'm afraid the UFO organization, I say that as someone deeply involved in the Center for UFO Studies for many years, is really uh, going the way of the dodo. I agree with Jerry on that, yes. The money part of it, what a lot of people don't realize, or they don't think about, I guess, uh, is the amount of money it takes to do uh, sophisticated scientific work. It it costs a lot of money. And, of course, uh, not everybody's got a lot of money, and most of us interested uh, don't have it. And what I've discovered, much to my horror, is that the few people who have come on the scene who do have money, and everybody's well aware of that, uh, unfortunately also turn out to be almost always control freaks, which means right. they want their particular opinions or their ideas to be represented by whomever they fund. I've had people come to me several times wanting me to do work for them in exchange for money. The problem being that I am supposed to then come up with the kind of information they want to hear, and I can't do that. I mean, I simply can't, and so I can't take the money. So, Nancy, what uh, you're saying and is And I think they, this is true maybe for other people too. Nancy, are you saying that these individuals, if I get this correctly, they've, they've already can come to a conclusion about whatever phenomenon – uh, the nature of the phenomenon, they want research, and then they want you to provide research that fits their conclusion. Is that essentially It appears to me that they have agendas, which I'm not always sure what they are, but for me, the agenda is exactly what Levin Good and Dr. Reynolds and Dr. Everill now, what all of these people uh, say is that you follow the data, and you have to go, you have to deal with the data. You can't throw out some of it just because you don't like it. I mean, if you're trying to come up with some overall explanation, you've got to deal with wherever it takes you. And my sense, I know, in fact, in one case, that the, there was some agenda already existing, and I was expected, if I were to take that money, to produce evidence that would back, back it up. Nancy, I'm going to have to ask the question because it's going to occur to everybody. Would you care to name some names here? You know, I think we've got enough baloney flying around amongst people. Seriously, I don't see any benefit 
in uh, causing more hurt feelings than I perceive to be running a rampant already. Uh, anybody who's serious and is approached this way, they very quickly figure it out for themselves. They know, you can tell. And the general audience doesn't need to know because they're not going to be approached anyhow. So I guess the other question we could all jump in and chime in here is, how do we take, and we'll make MUFON the example or prototype of a classic UFO research organization, how do we make that relevant in the 21st century? And we can just go round robin here. Chris, what do you think? I'll name names. Please. One person I think that does kind of run counter to uh, Nancy's observation of, uh, you know, the nature of money and control, especially in the field of ufology, there's one name that does uh, kind of run counter to that, and that's Lawrence Rockefeller. Um, I, I found was gonna that. Say, I was going to say Rockefeller was not one of those people, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lawrence was an exception to that rule, but the Joe Firmages, the Robert Bigelows, the John Rayos, um, other people that over the years have gotten into the field um, tend to be, I think, agenda-driven. And as Nancy pointed out, they're looking for people to come up with the kind of data and the quality of data that will somehow bolster their own preconceived ideas. And and that's unfortunate because it does stifle, uh, y- you know, the the true spirit of of field research and field investigation and the the analytical process that then follows. Uh, the investigative work. So, so in uh, summary here, Chris, you're saying, say, a Robert Bigelow, and I don't know the guy, okay? I only know what I read about him, that he says, I think UFOs, whatever, are thus and so. So I will take my money and prove thus and so. He's not interested in hearing something that doesn't meet with his expectations. You know, I think Bigelow is kind of an, uh, a special case. I think that he has a very closely held personal beliefs about this subject. Uh, that relate to his his uh, the passing of his son, and also the obsession of trying to figure out the propuls- propulsion diagnostics of these craft. And I think that um, he <clears throat> hires very good people uh, and and has them staff his his investigative work. But then he's very very closed off for any outside input. And and they, he, his organization, the National Institute of Discovery Sciences, which has now uh, you know been defunct for a number of years. I think they had blinders on a bit and were overly cautious about the kinds of cases that they were willing to investigate. And, you know, of course, uh, as many of our listeners know, he uh, bought the uh, infamous Sherman Ranch up in Utah and for 15, 16, 17 years uh, has has manned that ranch. I'll tell you what, we'll get into more of that in a moment with Chris and Gene. You're in the Paracast. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. 
You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. If you're taking one, two, five, or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with Bio Superfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered Bio Superfood from BioAge.com. And now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The Bio Superfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. Bio Superfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a no-brainer. Bio Superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family. Learn more and order your Bio Superfood formulas at BioAge.com. Spelled B-I-O-A-G-E.com. BioAge.com. Or call 877-288-9116. That's 877-288-9116. BioAge, the age of advanced organics. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download. Direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. 
or check us out at iTunes. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast with Kurt Sutherley, Jerry Clark, Rick Hilberg, Nancy Talbot. And you were telling us, Chris, of course, he bought the Sherman Ranch, Bob Bigelow, and what's the rest of the story? Well, a, a big curtain went down, and his team up there, world-class scientists, uh, for many years were doing you know, what we would assume to be world-class science, and yet except for the Hunt for the Skinwalker book, which is filled with inaccuracies, uh, did not have any data in it, photographs, and people weren't named on the record. Um, it was more of a PR kind of scenario that was trying to placate interest and, and give us all a bone, basically, so that we would not ask the deep, tough, probing scientific questions about what they were actually doing up there and what they were uncovering. And it's the secrecy that surrounds Bigelow that I think is the, is the main issue. I think he is fairly open-minded, but, um, you know, again, you know, if you're going to if you're going to get involved in this game, there's a lot of talent out there that uh, I think should be tapped. And in, in my opinion, has not been tapped. Now, Rick Herberg, you and I were involved in a number of UFO conferences over the years. You right. know, originally, it was called the Conference of Scientific Ufologists, it became the National right. UFO Conference. I sponsored right. it one year and lost some money. I guess everybody loses money from these things. So having been there, having done that, what do you think can and should be done to straighten this stuff out? Well, it, regarding the question of how can organizations like MUFON actually be relevant in the 21st century, I think part of the problem of not only MUFON but a lot of the other individuals and other organizations is that they are – basically operating from the viewpoint that UFOs are proven as being real physical craft from elsewhere. And quite frankly, we just don't have that proof yet. And this this may be part of the problem, you know, in my opinion. I think objectivity is, is maybe needed somewhat <laughs> that it hasn't been. But you're right, some of those early UFO conferences, you talk about the glitz and the entertainment uh, that's going on in the guise of a conference these days. In the early days, the, the whole thrust behind the Congress of Scientific Ufologists was to exchange information and cooperate with other organizations and individuals. The conferences that we had with public speakers, it was all information. The people would actually, you know, not talk about their encounters with the grays or whatever, but they would just basically talk about, you know, what evidence they had and, and present that evidence. You know, another problem that we've all got, and I have become much more informed, much better informed about the whole UFO field because I've made it my business to partly uh, with the help of Lou in this conference. But I think one of the major problems we've all got is the growing amount of information indicates that the UFO situation, as well as the crop circles and many other anomalous phenomena, are extraordinarily complex. This is not a simple problem. It's not something easy to understand. And expecting people with very little funding, and in many cases very little uh, professional expertise of any sort, to solve something that appears to me to be extraordinarily complex, perhaps interdimensional, perhaps extraterrestrial, perhaps directly related to human consciousness or Young's collective unconscious. There's so many ways to approach this now that expecting amateur groups 
with no help to uh, answer all these questions, it's a bit of a jump, you know? I mean, you look at the huge amount of money. I completely agree, Nancy. That is look, a very look at the amount of money pumped into cancer research, and we still have no answer to, to that, do we? I, I say the amount of money they pump into cancer research in one week is more than we pump into UFO research over 10 years. Yeah. Probably over Brad 10. Sparks has estimated that six months total of actual funded scientific research on UFOs has been done since the beginning of the UFO controversy in 1947. Mm-hmm. He just spend a lot of time beating each other up as if it's their fault that they haven't made great progress in the subject, when in fact, they, as Nancy just said, they lack the funding, they lack the expertise, they lack the resources, and this thing is so much bigger and more complicated than then we can handle. We just simply can't handle it. I do, however, believe that if scientific resources were available and actual scientific research were done and funded and given to those with the proper expertise, that there are at least aspects of the UFO phenomenon that we would understand a lot better than we do now. I absolutely agree with you. It's possible, uh, but it requires a certain structure as any acquiring any any profound knowledge of anything does. And I think a lot of these people, particularly the early people, but some people today, are they're doing fabulous stuff when you consider the, the limitations placed on them. You know, they have to earn a living, they've got a family to take care of, blah, 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 the dentist has to be paid. And on top of that, there are still people who are coming up with uh, additional information uh, the complexity of it, my work is clearly showing that the UFO phenomenon, whatever it actually represents, may in fact represent multiple things, not just one. Yes, you know, not I agree. Over the last several no, years. I totally agree also. Yeah, I agree. There's no one-size-fits-all answer, that's for sure. Exactly. I don't think so. Kurt, you and I were involved in the preparations for one particular UFO conference. We attended others. What's your assessment about it? Are you on the par with the rest of the group here? Yeah, I think so. I, I believe that the UFO conference, as we know it, is pretty much a thing of the past. If such a thing is going to be held, it's going to be more for more in the sense of a gathering of, of old friends just to kind of sit down, talk to one another, kind of get reacquainted, and maybe do some brainstorming that way. But I don't think you're going to be able to put together a conference where genuine scientific information is going to be exchanged. You're not going to be able to bring in the kind of people that would be able to impart that kind of knowledge. I think, as Nancy said, this whole thing is, is incredibly complex. And I think that if there's an, if an answer is ever forthcoming as to the nature of the UFO phenomenon or a lot of the other paranormal uh, events that are occurring pretty much on a daily basis, I think it's going to come as a, as a side venue of something like quantum mechanics, research into quantum mechanics. And the little bit that I, that I understand of that and the research that's going on there, what they're discovering more and more about the quantum realm, it is incredibly complex, just like the UFO phenomenon, and there could very well be a connection. But none of us here have that kind of expertise, have that kind of intellectual know-how. The people that do are pretty much sequestered away in universities or in research labs doing, doing whatever pocket research they're doing basically trying to scratch out a living in a small area and then maybe hopefully collaborating with somebody who 
you'll be able to create a bigger picture in some area. And part of the but, problem also, Kurt, is the fact that for most people in the UFO field, there is no way to make a living. There's no way to cover your expenses and survive. We have Jerry Clark, Nancy Talbot, Rick Hilberg, Kurt Southerly with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes... The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics. Life's getting better. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with Fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your Fake TV for only $34.95, go to FakeTV.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional Fake TV is only $29.95, so get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-F-A-K-E-TV or go to FakeTV.com. FakeTV.com, the burglar deterrent. What is the most abundant resource on Earth? Water. It's essential for sustaining life. 
but it's not always the most available. When disaster strikes, water quickly vanishes from store shelves, like it did during 9-11, Katrina, Japan, and in Joplin. Three days without water and your body begins to shut down. Don't risk being without an abundant supply of water when the next disaster hits. Get a FlowJack hand well pump. The affordable FlowJack drops right into almost any well and is easy to install without having to remove the existing pump, giving you immediate access to plenty of cool, clean water. You could risk your family's health on a limited supply of stored water, or you could be prepared with the reliable, affordable FlowJack backup hand pump kit. Delivered to your door for only $3.99 complete. See how it works at FlowJack.com, spelled F-L-O-J-A-K.com. Be sure to spell F-L-O-J-A-K.com or call 855-4-FLOWJACK. That's 855-435-6525. Proudly made in America. FlowJack hand well pumps. Peace of mind in a box. We're trying to reform UFO research, or at least figure out what's going on and make it work better. With I have, I have an idea, Gene. Sure. That's Nancy Talbot, by the way. We also have Kurt Southerly, Jerry Clark, and Rick Hilbert. Nancy, please. I mean, you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but... But then think- you're joining the club. We're all crazy here. We friends. can. We should all start buying lottery tickets, <laughs> and if one of us hits, <laughs> then spread the money around amongst those who are approaching this subject from one point of view or another, trying to include at least four or five different approaches. I'd love to see that. I would love to see that. Well, you know, um, you missed we, out on the three hundred fifty million or something that was won this past week. Uh, Somebody not far from you, I don't think, they were in Rhode Island. Oh, really? <laughs> Maybe I should take a trip to Rhode Island. <laughs> it doesn't matter. What You just have to play it. You have to be in it to win it, is what the commercials say. I bought a Powerball lottery ticket the previous week when it was, what, $250 million or something like that. I got one number right. There's no hope for me. Uh, I never bought a ticket, but I'm thinking that maybe that's what we need to do. And one of the things that I've learned that I'm certain of now, uh, I did have a a close encounter when I was a kid. Uh, I think it was the summer I was 14. Sure, give us some details about it because you raised it. We might as well probe it. Well, just the point I'm trying to make here is that I had an experience in my face in daytime in the company of a number of other people before I had ever even heard of UFOs. And because of that, I know that there's something out there called UFOs because it was right there. Uh, I did join NICAP way back then because it was the only thing I could find and tried to inform myself better about whatever in the heck this UFO thing was. And I discovered after a while that, you know, all the, the NICAP was doing was reporting lots of other people having the same kinds of experiences, but nobody really had any answers. And so I lost interest in the subject, not because I hadn't been intrigued by what happened, but because I saw no way to actually learn anything. And I went on and then you know, had a life and did other things. And it wasn't until this crop circle thing started and some of the work that we've been doing there, which has been done with real scientists, we've published a number of papers in 
the scientific literature. We have new stuff that is being done right now. And from this work, what I'm seeing is that there is some kind of an overlap. The UFO subject, and I'm afraid that a lot of people in the UFO field absolutely do not want me to say these things. They don't want to think about this or they just don't agree. But what I see is that whatever it is that's going on in the UFO phenomena itself, it in itself is multifaceted. And furthermore, there's an overlap with the crop circle situation, with out-of-body experiences, with remote viewing, with poltergeist activity, with all sorts of psychic you know, and human consciousness studies. I see all of this stuff having a definite interrelationship and I have a feeling that physics and the study of consciousness are the two arenas which are most likely, perhaps, to get us some more reliable, you know, solid information about what all of these subjects represent. Nancy, I want to ask you quickly about crop circles before we go on. And that is the general perception on the part of a lot of people and a lot of people in the UFO field that crop circles are mostly eccentric artists working out in the farmland. are. Are you asking me if I think so? No, I'm asking you to comment on that. Well, there are a lot of people in England in particular who find this uh, very amusing or fun or whatever. I don't know what they think, but there are a lot of them that are made by people, and they these guys that do it, it's funny. They hang out in the same pubs where all the tourists now go because there's quite a little business, crop circle business going on in Wiltshire, England now, and lots of tourists and tour groups and whatever. And they, of course, go to the pubs at the end of the day. And a lot of these guys that do the hoaxing go to the same pubs, they listen to the conversations, and whatever theme they currently hear being talked about a lot, and right now it's the 2012 Mayan thing, you know, then inspires them to create designs which reflect precisely the opinions they've just heard the night before in the pubs. And this is unfortunate because it muddies the water, but the science clearly shows that some of these very elaborate, very you know, huge you know, things are as real as many of the very simple ones. It's simply a fact. Some of them are genuine, are not mechanically flattened. And nor, just for those people, the MIT types where I live, who are constantly telling me that these are military exercises or government people playing games with our heads by projecting microwave radiation from some platform, some satellite, there's absolutely no way to uh, direct microwaves over those distances. It cannot be done. And if, in fact, there were huge platforms which would be required as a generator to produce these microwaves, if they were hovering, for instance, at the height that a helicopter could, you would not only see them, you'd hear them. And this is not the case. There's a real phenomenon, and it does seem to interact with or have something to do with the UFO phenomenon, at least in some cases. It also has something to do with human consciousness. Nancy, in some cases you have spheres of light that are hovering or flying around the crop circles that have, have been videotaped. That's correct, isn't it? I saw one happen in Holland in 2001, right smack outside my bedroom, 
in the closest growing crop to my bed, uh, which involved three brilliant tubes of light that came crashing down. From my vantage point, they were about a foot, foot and a half in diameter, but perfectly tubular, came screaming down from the sky, scared the dickens out of me, right and boom, 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 so fast and so powerful and so precise, it made my hair stand up on end. And I, this guy that I work with in Holland, this young medium, he has seen many, many, many of them happen. And they have sometimes involved balls of light, spheres, you know, daytime and night, by the way, not just nighttime. And sometimes they involve literally just flashes of light, like flash cameras going off. There have been a couple other incidents of these tubes of light seen not just by me or by Robert, the guy in Holland, but by other people in the fields. So light phenomena is definitely associated with some crop circles, but not all. You know, what the heck does this mean? It's enough to drive you crazy. Well, the plants themselves are being affected at a molecular level, are they not? I mean, no, people, not... people use that word molecular. Uh, no, cellular. At a cellular uh, level? Okay. There are very clear changes. There has been no DNA work done. One of the things that desperately needs to be done is DNA analysis of the affected plants. I'm wondering if there, is, uh, if there are DNA alterations. We don't know this. There are some reasons to think there may be, but the work hasn't been done to prove it yet. The changes which have been proven are on the cellular level. They involve changes in the cell structure as well as in the growth habits. The plants which have been affected in a genuine crop circle reproduce differently from normal plants, very differently. Now that DNA testing, though, is so relatively inexpensive, isn't that something that could be done now for a few hundred dollars? I don't know for sure, but okay. I put $450,000 into this, and I'm tapped out. So if there's somebody out there who's got the money to, to put into this DNA research, I would be very careful to find exactly the right people to do it and spend every cent anybody gave me to do it because I think it would be productive. You know, it's productive talking with all these great people. Nancy Talbot, Kurt Southerly, Jerome Clark, Rick Hilberg. And of course, you're on with Gene and Chris for one reason. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. 
Whether you want to send roses, carnations, whether you've got hundreds to spend or just a little, Farm Fresh Flowers is your place for Valentine's flowers, birthdays, anniversaries. Call right now and save 12% with the code Radio K. That's Radio K. Go to farmfreshflowers.com, type it in the coupon code, or call them at 800-999-2109. 800-999-2109. Call them now, farmfreshflowers.com, code Radio K. Hi, this is Ted Anderson, have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Can heart and body extract help with other ailments besides heart conditions, high blood pressure, clogged arteries, or unbalanced cholesterol? It did for Karen. I've been using heart and body extract for approximately two weeks. I've had an earwax buildup problem for many years, with over-the-counter stuff not working at all. I had very poor hearing due to this earwax buildup. Well, after two weeks of taking heart and body extract, my earwax buildup almost completely cleared up. Could this be the effect of better body circulation? Heart and Body Extract is an effective 100% organic nutritional supplement specially formulated to allow your body to heal itself. My hearing is almost completely back to normal. I'm amazed. Order by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. Heart and Body Extract for long and healthy life. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Then listen carefully because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Hi, this is nuclear physicist lecturer Stanton Friedman. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. With Gene, with Chris, and a guest of all stars, Rick Hilberg, Jerome Clark, Kurt Southerly, Nancy Talbot. Chris, we had a few questions in our forums when I announced this show, and maybe one or two are relevant here. Can you drop a few in? I certainly can. The first uh, couple of questions comes from Sentry, who is uh, a fairly long-standing poster at the Paracast forums. He asked, since Lou was best known for his news clipping service, here's a couple of news questions. Um, I guess this is directed at the group. What are some examples of the best and worst media coverage of UFOs? And is the media's treatment of UFOs any less accurate or biased than their coverage of other topics? Good questions. Anybody want to tackle that one? 
I'm not an historian and I don't know, but it seems that the coverage is much more expansive than it once was because the media responds to, you know, whatever sells papers or whatever. And there are lots of people interested. The quality of the coverage, however, I'll leave to you guys to discuss. You obviously cannot get into any depth. The, the news media really can't, uh, you know, the, uh, with the exception of maybe print journalism. There's not too much. Uh, of, I'm not seeing too many, you know, newspapers running UFO items in depth other than just retrospective things. But it's really hard to go in depth. And, uh, of course, it's the, there, we get back to the entertainment factor. And I think that's, that's been our problem for, you know, uh, since the beginning of, of the UFO era is it's it's news it's a gee whiz story it's a you know man bites uh, dog sort of thing and um, i don't think we're ever going to see any improvement well you have to look at the history of news media in the early part of the 20th century this idea of objectivity in writing a news story came to the fore i spent an enormous amount of time reading 19th century newspapers and believe me it's not an experience like reading the newspapers that we grew up with so a newspaper story is supposed to you know give both sides of the issue and try to discern what what truth is there but that is generally done but it's done on mainstream issues if it's a fringe issue and ufos are a fringe issue you you take your chances and since ufos have never been respectable, or at least not respectable for very long, if they ever were. Newspapers tend to treat them in, in, in joking fashion, particularly elite papers like the New York Times, Washington Post, Los Angeles Times, those are the three leading papers in the country. They have no time for UFOs. UFO stories are just a joke. You get your best news coverage of UFO sightings, actually, in small local newspapers. Exactly. Jerry, yeah, yeah, exactly. Jerry's exactly right. If if I can jump in here a second, I was I was a reporter at one of those small papers for over ten years. I was I was fortunate enough to have a city editor, a man named Rob McNamee, who was a big Canadian. He was a great guy. He was extremely open minded. And when I came on board as a, first as the night shift police reporter and then later as a day shift reporter. Anytime anything like this came up, if there was a report of, of UFO activity or some other unusual activity, such as, for instance, cougar sightings, which are not supposed to occur, I would approach McNamee and he would say, take off on it. And he would treat it very seriously. And a lot of times he would run the story front page because, as Jerry pointed out, with the small papers, there is a strong interest. The local the local community finds this, this sort of thing interesting, often because they are directly involved in it. The national media, the, the so-called elite media, they could care less. It is treated as a joke, and you're, Jerry, you're absolutely right about that. They don't want to deal with this subject because the, the people that fund these papers, that are now in control of these papers, have vested interests in fringe, you know, fringe activities and fringe phenomena are not part of that. I mean, my God, to even slant the politics of the nation to whatever way they suit, they're not going to pay much attention to UFO phenomena. Can I pipe in here something, too? Sure. It also uh, occurs to me, I'm not a conspiracy nut, and I, pay, I try to stay clear of that as much as I can. However, given what I think anyone who has paid any attention to, let's say, 9-11 or Lord knows how many other incidents recently, is it possible that the owners of the print media 
have a vested interest in the general public not learning what it what may very well be these phenomena that we're working with and studying may represent an opportunity for humanity generally to become much more aware and much more uh, effective in running their our own lives if we were to become better informed about what is actually going on. And I have wondered if the people who control the media don't on some level either know about that or suspect it, and that that could be playing a role in why it is so hard to get simple facts out. Simple facts without any particular theory attached to them, just a fact. I don't think that's the case. You don't. I think that the attitudes expressed in elite media are pretty much characteristic of the attitudes toward these phenomena in those kinds of social and economic circles. Uh, but the late Bud Hopkins, who was a good friend of mine, wrote a really wonderful memoir toward the end of his life describing his interaction with the people that he knew, including the elites of the culture, at least as the ones on the East Coast. And Bud found just incredible widespread skepticism of UFOs and completely dismissive attitudes. I don't think there's any conspiratorial thinking going on. I think that it's just a general contempt for maybe an obsession of the lower classes and, and a firm belief that these are just for silly and superstitious. Um, so basically it's the arrogance of the elite Yes. Uh, running what what goes on here rather than any any deliberate attempt to maintain control. At a pure level, I also think it's just profit and loss. If they're selling papers, if they're getting ratings for the TV shows, and they're selling advertising and they're making money, they're happy with anything you give them. Just like, for example, at one time, say it, over at CBS News, for example, the news division was part of something in and of itself didn't have to earn a profit for the company. It was walled off, a separate entity. And now, of course, it's part of the entertainment division. If yeah. the news doesn't deliver the ratings and doesn't deliver the advertising revenues, goodbye. Some years ago, back in the early part of this, the last decade, I was invited to appear on an ABC news show, not ABC Entertainment, in looking at the UFO phenomenon. And it came about, and the only reason I agreed to appear on it was that Peter Jennings, the late Peter Jennings, had gotten quite intrigued by UFOs, and somehow my encyclopedia had fallen fallen into his hands. Right. And he was he was insistent that I be on the show, and it took some persuading because I don't really like television much anymore. But um, so I went on the show. And um, and I thought on the whole, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but on the whole, it was a remarkably open-minded presentation of the phenomenon coming from the news division of a broadcast television network. A few days later, after it aired, there was this sulfurous piece by Frank Rich in the New York Times. Now, I've always been a fan of Frank Rich. I always enjoyed reading his column in the Times, but he just went berserk that anybody like Jennings could presume to put such complete nonsense on television. He went on and on and on, and it was just this bizarre. He didn't try to deal with any specific claim or bit of evidence that, that Jennings had presented. 
he just didn't like the idea that sympathetic attention would be given to UFOs. And I Jerry, think that's very typical. Why, Jerry, why do you think his response was like that? Because there is a firm and in, in impenetrable conviction in those circles that these things are ridiculous, they're nonsense, and all the people that they talk with tell them that, including their scientists, friends, and it's just outrageous that people in the lower orders keep insisting that strange things do indeed happen. It really is fundamentally irrational. If it, if it weren't irrational, the, the only alternative would be conspiratorial. But I right. think to accuse them of being involved in a conspiracy is to give them too much credit. My personal encounters with the media, uh, I'm thinking of this god-awful National Geographic bunch. I mean, they have been given facts, enough facts to sink a damn battleship. And I see, you know, I know I won't do it anymore, but I see what they end up using and uh, it's so hard for me with things like Nova or National Geographic, some of these more so-called reputable outlets, when I see what they are deliberately leaving out. I'll tell you what, we can't leave this out, okay? We can't leave this out, Nancy. We have Nancy Talbot. We have Jerry Clark. We have Kurt Southerly and Rick Hilberg with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene, with Chris, we started, of course, honoring the life and times of Lucius Farish, and in that tradition, covering the state of the art in terms of UFO research, with Nancy Talbot, Rick Hilberg, Jerry Clark, Kurt Southerly. And something here, of course, to throw out also is the fact that so long as there's no public clamoring for this, it's not going to change. They look at reports about UFOs on those special channels, NOVA, National Geographic. History Channel is entertainment. And without criticizing the specific participants, look at the UFO Hunters TV show. Everything there was oriented towards providing 
an entertaining experience. They didn't get the ratings. They canceled it. Right. It's basically wow. tabloid TV, tabloid journalism on TV. That's, that's what it's come to. Either you have National Geographic or, uh, you know, Nova, who is totally skeptical of the whole business, or you have, you know, some of the other tabloid TV programs that you just, you know, mentioned about UFOs, or for that matter, there's several about, about the, you know, the Bigfoot phenomena that's on now that is, is just totally wacky. Well, thank God for people like Lou Farish, who provided an opportunity for a lot of people to hear some facts. I am looking at this photograph right now, sitting on the porch with Jerry at this nursing home uh, where he died. We're talking about Jerry Blackburn, a long time. Jerry friend. Blackburn, yes. Sure. And thinking, I know how much effort Lou put into keeping this alive for those of us who do think it's worth pursuing. Thank you, dear Lou. And, and Nancy, one thing that I think uh, needs to be mentioned is um, I seem to recall reading um, a notice of Lou's passing, and the author mentioned that he had left his estate and land for UFO research. Which, yes. which I find is, is, is the ultimate testament of a, man's, of a man's real fascination and his courage to be involved in a subject to the extent of he even bequeaths his, his, his estate to the actual furthering of UFO research. And that is a real testament to a man's dedication. It is. Yes. He also, I mean, he had a, a mammoth library, a mammoth library. And uh, I think a lot of it has gone to... Uh, Dave Marler, who is categorizing and cataloging, this will be made available to the public, you know, for research, which is great because Lou has stuff that very few other people nowadays would have. You know, just hitting with one idea here, it came to me. Obviously, he's going to have an estate where he can give grants, but at least his friends can give grants to UFO research, but maybe set up a museum. You know, it might be an out-of-the-way place. I mean, where he lived, Plummerville, Arkansas, had a population of 854 as of 2000. <laughs> but you know what I'm thinking of here? But they had a post office. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Not anymore. This year you'll be lucky if any city has a post office. And, and Lou was a part-time employee at the post office. Well, he was for years, but I, I'm sure that a lot of that material will be made available to the general public for research and to those of us who uh, want to access it uh, one way or the other. I'm thinking here, I have a list that I made of over the years, the people that Lou uh, brought to the conference. Uh, Tim Good from England was there an awful lot of the time. Uh, people like Wendell Stevens and Forrest Crawford and Ted Phillips, uh, Carla Turner, Grant Cameron, Vince White, Joe Lules, Dolores Cannon, Paul Von Ward, Bob Pratt, Jim Mars, Antonio Huenas, Joanne Scarpellini, one of my field workers, went to every single one of the conferences, and she also went to the memorial service and said that the people at the service were made aware because many of us had written in uh, our thoughts and our feelings about Lou and the local people, because he was such a modest person, they were almost entirely unaware of what a difference Lou's work had made. He had this and, entire other life that they were yeah, privy to. And now they're aware of it and they take uh, some pride in their friend who most of them still called Red 
because he had real red hair when he was younger. And I, I, I'm glad that uh, people will remember Lou and others like him, who, who, his intelligence, his thoughtfulness, his interest in, it was not for his own personal gain. He kept the price at that conference very low in order for the largest number of people possible to be able to afford to come. Compare that with some conferences, and I'm not going to name any, that they think it's Disneyland where they exactly. charge you an arm, yeah. a leg, and a foot. Chris, you have some more questions. I have another question from Century. This one is for Rick. How many paper UFO zines are around these days, and what do they offer that you think you can't find online? Well, there are very few around. That's a very good question. As a matter of fact, I was just uh, just uh, was emailing a friend of mine today who who does public zine, uh, sort of an offbeat zine, not necessarily on UFOs. And I said that you can literally count the number of print zines on one hand, and that's that's about what it's come to. I think that the real benefit in the print zines are that basically the old timers are. You know, still editing them. Uh, all the newcomers, uh, it seems, have gone over to the internet, and that's where they've set up their domain, and that's where they do their research and um, you know share their information. But there are still some some older folks out there who do not have internet access and who do rely on these few uh, uh, UFO zines. And I think the benefit is, as I said, that the, the editors are basically old-timers, old heads, and that they have a certain sense of what is significant, um, you know, regarding reports or, or whatever. I mean, there are so many people that, that, that write in anonymously on the Internet and they, you know, come up with, you know, whatever stories or sightings or encounters that they think they've had. And... Um, a lot of times what they are saying doesn't always jibe what, with, uh, you know, what has happened in the past. And someone who, you know, deals on this consistently can kind of uh, get, a, get a sense of what's, what's real or what's significant. A perspective, Rick. Yeah, yeah, perspective, yeah. One thing that paper and print publications have is an editorial hand, which is sorely missing on the Internet. The inter- the- publications that have a good editor at the helm are much more valuable than so much of the burbling you get on the Internet. I wanted to ask, Jerry, exactly where one does go for someone like me who is not an expert in the UFO field. What should I read or make it my business to see to be informed intelligently so that I don't have to wade through so much crap? Well, um, you mean in terms of periodicals either that or on the any whatever is out there that is worth paying attention to i'd love to be told what to do i've been uh, i'm working on the foreword to a book that will be coming out um sometime in the next few months it's called ufos in government and it is really it's almost like a textbook on the subject where real authorities and thinkers have put down a real history of how UFOs and governments have interacted. It's not conspiracy theory. It's not speculative. It's stuff that can be drawn from a meticulous study of available documents supplemented by interviews and and other materials. 
Um, there are still good books coming out. As always, they're a minority. Most of the books are garbage. But there are still there's still real scholarship going on in in this field. And most of it isn't really appearing online that I can see. I mean, you can use the you know, the internet for information. Obviously, we all do. But the real lasting stuff is still stuff just published the old-fashioned way. For and a publication that is re- everybody ought to read. Well, one of them is International UFO Reporter, which Kuflos publishes, which is an excellent, serious UFO journal. In our next segment, tell people what this organization is and its history, because it's very fascinating. We have Jerry Clark, Nancy Talbot, Kurt Southerly, Rick Hilberg with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time that store.theparacast.com you can use a major credit card to place your order for the official paracast t-shirt hey neighbors we have one more thing to talk about and that's more merchandise at the official paracast store we have hats we have jackets we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the paracast logo at the official paracast store it's all now available at the official paracast store store store.theparacast.com introducing a diabetes breakthrough an easy natural organic way to bring relief to diabetics Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money-back guarantee. Waiting for the side effects disclaimers? With MDS Forte, there are none. Order a 25-day treatment of MDS Forte by calling 213-405-5355. 213-405-5355. Or visit bestbloodsupport.com. That's bestbloodsupport.com for MDS Forte, a diabetes breakthrough. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. I've been telling you about eFoods Direct for a while now. Here are my top 10 reasons to stock up on food from eFoods Direct. Number 10, the food I get from eFoods Direct tastes great. Number 9, the eFoods meals are easy to prepare. 8, eFoods Direct delivers the food right to my front door. 7, most of these meals cost less than $2. 6, with their large variety, I can eat it every day. 5, I always have access to high quality and delicious food. Number four, eFoods products don't spoil, so I never waste any food. Three, eFoods uses only safe, healthy ingredients. Number two, I have my own food supply and don't depend on the grocery store. And the number one reason I promote eFoods Direct is they build special offers just for my listeners. Folks, don't wait. Get prepared now. We all need to be self-sufficient. Call eFoods Direct at 800-409-5633 and ask for the Alex Jones special. Call eFoods Direct at 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. With Gene and Chris and Jerry Clark, Rick Hilberg, Kurt Sutherley, Nancy Talbot competing to be the one who gets top billing, but we're not going to let that happen. They all deserve top billing. So you mentioned KUFOS. For those in our listening audience who have no idea what you're talking about, Jerry Clark, explain what it's all about. KUFOS is the Center for UFO Studies, which was established about 1976 by the late J. Allen Hynek, who was the uh, Project Blue Book astronomer who later became UFO proponent and whose most lasting contribution to popular culture is inventing the phrase Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And for being in the film Close Encounters of the Third Kind, towards the end of the film you see him for about four seconds. Right. Right. Anyway, he died in 1986, but he organized this group hoping to bring the best scientific and, and other minds into the field. And uh, KUFOS has published for years a periodic referee journal called Journal of UFO Studies. It publishes a magazine of which I am an editor called International UFO Reporter. It's currently directed by Mark Rodiger and headquartered in Chicago. Like all UFO organizations, you know, it's gone through hard times. The money is hard to come by and publication is only occasional. But when the issues of the IUR or International UFO Report come out, they're well worth reading cover to cover, which isn't something you can say of a lot of UFO publications. And so KUFOS, you know, struggles on and, and does the good fight on a shoestring, like like all ufologists and anomalists fighting the good fight. Thank you, Jerry. Can I say one more thing about Lou that I think sure. is really important? And this is how he affected me personally the most. Lou was the first guy that I know who was actually doing historical UFO research. 
in the mid-1960s, he started looking through old Arkansas newspapers for accounts of the 1897 airship. He inspired me to do that. And now in the last 10 or more years of my life, that's practically all I'm doing is research into historical Fortiana from the 19th century, the early 20th century. In 2005, I published a book dealing with the historical research that I had done up till then. The title of the book is Unnatural Phenomena, and this is the dedication to Lucius Farish, old friend and fellow traveler on the unnatural landscape. And that is how, aside from the pleasure of knowing a good man, Lou affected my life the most by turning me on to the fascination of pre-1947 burial and other anomalous phenomena. Lou was, uh, as Jerry just said, he was interested in aerial and other anomalous phenomena. Uh, and I think that's something we've kind of missed here that we've been referring to him primarily as a ufologist. And I think Gene used the phrase of the rock of ufology at the beginning of the broadcast, which was a term that, uh, that Lou kind of inherited and it suited him. But he was really uh, involved, or not, I shouldn't say involved, but really interested and excited about various types of unexplained phenomena, cryptozoological phenomena, you name it. Yes. If, if it had, if if it fell outside the the the, the norm insofar as science, Lou was drawn to it, as we were all of us. Yes, he was. He had a wide uh, wide range of interests. I think I part a... of the problem in recognizing someone like him today is there's no book. He didn't write the book of everything he did. He just collected information and sent it out to people. Well, yeah. that, that was it. That's it, Gene. I mean, I, I recall even from the early days, back in the early 60s, Lou would constantly be sending out you know, one or two page reports on cases he'd run across or maybe even you know, investigated himself. Or if not, he, he would get all the various details from the newspapers or news media or whatever and pass it along to other researchers long before he had the clipping service. I mean, Lou did this his entire life. You know, he uh, he wrote a lot of shorts for the for early uh, early fate uh, back in the late '60s, early '70s. Almost every issue there was a, a short item that would appear under the byline of Lucius Farish, and I have one right here. I mentioned this to Gene at the beginning, and if, Gene, if you don't mind, I could read this. It's not very long. Be my guest. Okay, it's uh, the title is Crickets by Jiminy by Lucius Farish. The dateline is Newport, Arkansas, uh, already notorious for sightings in 1971 and 1972 of Arkansas's White River Monster, has a more recent claim to fame. Beginning on the night of September 27, 1972, estimated millions of crickets invaded the town, covering streets, sidewalks, and the sides of buildings. The chirping visitors were camel brown in color and about an inch long. Some areas in Newport soon were ankle-deep in crickets. One storekeeper filled a gallon bucket full of the intruders on the first night of the invasion and was prepared for more. Entomologist Harvey Barton of Arkansas State University in Jonesboro thought perhaps climate changes were responsible for the migration, although he admitted he had never heard of a cricket migration before. Making the best of the situation, some local youngsters busily scooped up the hopping visitors and sold them the local bait shop. That was the entire story. And... <laughs> Almost every issue for a, a number of years would have a short piece by Lucius Farish. I love it. I love Maybe it. the collected works of Lucius Farish. Hmm. He, he did publish a monograph in the, uh, I think, in the 19, later 1960s, which was published by Controversial Phenomena. It was called 
Omega. And it was a bunch of historical Fortean things that he had found, and he collected them into this kind of crudely published uh, monograph. And I think that's the closest thing he ever came to a book. Yes, I remember that, Jerry. You're right. I had almost forgotten that, but yes, I, I have that. Yes, that was one of Lou's, yeah, probably did the closest thing to a, you know, a regularly published thing, yeah. Jerry, do I mean, you and I remember. write a lot of articles together for uh, something like Saga, an official UFO magazine back in the mid to late 70s? I seem to recall that uh, the two of you sharing bylines and some articles about uh, about the historical UFO phenomenon. Yes, we wrote a number of articles on ghost rockets and Foo Fighters and the airships, that sort of thing. Yeah, we, as I, mean, I said, that was one of the things we curious. did out of our mutual interest. How did you set about co-writing? I mean, I, I, I've done this with a couple of authors myself, and it's always a little tricky. I mean, did, did one of you do the primary research and the other basically do the writing, or did you both co-write this, or how did you? Lou got most of the material, and I did the writing and, and sorting together and trying to get some kind of coherent narrative out of it. I know they were always fascinating stories. I mean, I'd sit down. If I saw a story with Jerome Clark and Lucius Farage, as the byline, I mean, I, that'd usually be one of the first things that I'd go to, because it was just... I, I, yeah, those I those articles know. still stand up when I see them. <laughs> Maybe it's time for somebody it. like our friend over at Anomalous Books, for example. Okay, our friend at Anomalous Books, maybe pick up some of this material, research this material, check the rights for this material, and get some of it in print for people who aren't aware of all the tremendous research that's been done over the years. I mean, that stuff isn't available online, is it? Well, most of that stuff was published under first rights, which the after so much, so much time, the right reverts back to the author. So I would think in the case of the joint authorship of, of say, Jerry's and Lou's work, that would fall, that Jerry would have ownership of that now. And as far as Lou's, I guess that would go to the estate, wouldn't it? We'll have to do that kind of probing. <laughs> And a lot more with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com 
Healthy soils grow healthy plants. So before you plant your survival garden this year, is your soil healthy? Maximize your crisis garden soil with EM1 from Terraganics. EM1 organic soil conditioner, fertilizer amendment, and compost accelerant provides healthier gardens and faster, efficient garden composting. EM1 from Terraganics.com quickly improves soil structure by increasing nutrient availability and converting organic matter into soil humus. This improves seed germination and root growth, improves plant quality, size, color, flavor, nutrient value of fruits and vegetables, and improves shelf life. And when rain is not in the forecast, no worries. EM1 improves moisture retention in soils, helping reduce drought stress. Just like you prepare all else, prepare your crisis garden for maximum yields with EM1 from Terraganics.com. Order now at T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Terraganics. Life's getting better. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95, so get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent. What is the most abundant resource on Earth? Water. It's essential for sustaining life. But it's not always the most available. When disaster strikes, water quickly vanishes from store shelves, like it did during 9-11, Katrina, Japan, and in Joplin. Three days without water and your body begins to shut down. Don't risk being without an abundant supply of water when the next disaster hits. Get a FlowJack hand well pump. The affordable FlowJack drops right into almost any well and is easy to install without having to remove the existing pump, giving you immediate access to plenty of cool, clean water. You could risk your family's health on a limited supply of stored water, or you could be prepared with the reliable, affordable FlowJack backup hand pump kit. Delivered to your door for only $3.99 complete. See how it works at FlowJack.com. Spelled F-L-O-J-A-K.com. Be sure to spell F-L-O-J-A-K.com or call 855-4-FLOWJACK. That's 855-435-6525. Proudly made in America. FlowJack hand well pumps. Peace of mind in a box. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast, talking about Lucius Farish, and now, obviously, some collected works that maybe we'd like to see again. We have Rick Hilberg, Nancy Talbot, Jerome Clark, Kurt Southerly. Chris, got any more questions? This one comes from Angelo, our resident skeptic moderator at forum.theparacast.com. Angelo's always fun. He provides a good, grounded, skeptical viewpoint on our forums. And I'm going to have to edit this one a little bit because he, use, he uses a naughty word. I would like to know what the guests think of all the division amongst the various research of paranormal topics. Is there any way that researchers can come to a certain agreements about anything? 
so that they can convince people like me, I'm what could be considered as a expletive skeptic. Chris, I trust you'll edit that one for radio. <laughs> yes, he did. Is there really something going on that is more than just people's perceptions? Let's take this round robin. Kurt Southerly, what's your answer? Oh, there's definitely something going on that's beyond our kin. I mean, it's. I think all of us have had some sort of an anomalous experience, whether it was a UFO encounter of some sort or something else. Uh, the, the question is, what was it? I mean, is it, you know, are we dealing with, you know, nuts and bolts, extraterrestrial spacecraft? Are we dealing with something that's interdimensional, something that's paraphysical, something that has to do with, as Nancy put it, human consciousness? We really don't know that the subject is too complex, and unless we can get some people involved that really have the expertise, we may never know. We may go to our graves just scratching our head. Leave a lot of dandruff around. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Hilberg. Well, I really, I really have to agree with Kurt. Something is definitely going on, whether you know we've experienced it ourselves as investigators or not. Just getting, you know, witnesses' testimony. There are so many egos involved. I think that's why a lot of the researchers, or, or you know, cannot get along. They have their own pet theories. They have their own pet cases. Whatever they have their own take. That's unfortunate. But I mean, that that even happens in, in real science now and then. But I think. You know, in looking at a whole overview of this thing, we talked about what Lou had done and his clipping services, his one little monograph that he did and, and some of the articles. At least, you know, this stuff is ending up somewhere. And organizations such, such as MUFON and QFOS, you know, they're publishing. This this stuff is going to be available, you know, to future historians uh, whether they be, you know, physical scientists or behavioral scientists. And, and someday someone may be able to make some sense of this all and tie the whole thing together. Nancy. Okay, I'm with uh, the gang so far, but I, I also have this idea that um, people who call themselves skeptics have the right to do so only if they actually have made an effort and continue to make an effort to read and absorb and seriously consider uh, the better information which is out there. I mean, egos are here, part here. Of, We all have an ego, you know, everybody's got one, of course. I so resemble that remark. <laughs> I mean, one, and talking about scientists, by the way, if you don't think they have egos, you don't know any scientists. Uh, they fight, you know, tooth and nail about every new paper that comes out, every new fact which is proposed as a fact, and it is then reevaluated by God knows how many of, of these professional people until eventually it becomes an accepted fact. Now, a skeptic. Uh, I, I mean, I, I admire and, and respect skeptics if they are genuine skeptics, if their interest is, is great enough that they bother to inform themselves about what is actually known. Uh, what I find is that many people who call themselves skeptics, I don't know this person you're referring to, but many of the people who do generally are people who have made no effort to become informed of the serious work that's available. 
And in that case, I have to, I'm thinking that what we're talking about is armchair critics. And I don't have a hell of a lot of patience for that because I don't sit in an armchair. I'm out there working. And I know many of you guys are too. And so comments that come to me from someone who has never done any real work, him or herself, I've come to understand it's a more from their, whatever their paradigm is, is the one they're content with. And that's fine. I mean, it's okay with me. But I want people who challenge my work to be informed about my work, to actually know what the hell the work is, so that then we can have an actual debate. Jerry Clark, what's your response? Well, I think the term skeptic is, is an ideological construct. just doesn't interest me. I'm, there's much, like any sensible person, I'm skeptical of. And that's another thing I'm skeptical of is received knowledge. It's clear that there's a great deal we don't know. And the massive testimony of human beings over many, many centuries to extraordinary experiences is a lot more interesting to me than, than some individual's rejection of it. I think that um, we have a lot to know. We have a lot more to know. The human adventure is not over. And um, in time, and I don't think it's going to be all that much longer, science will turn its attention to UFOs and other anomalies and actually go back and look at the literature the more serious among us have put together. For example, the two volumes of NICAP's Dick Hall's The UFO Evidence and Eddie Bullard's book on the UFO phenomenon published a year or two by University Press of Kansas. I hope my UFO encyclopedia and books like this. And, and uh, science will move forward. One of the problems that it has is that it lacks a theoretic, theoretical structure for anomalous phenomena. And so it's easier to ignore them and then when pressed to deny them than to deal with them at our current state of knowledge. But knowledge advances, the human adventure continues, and I think we're in for some very interesting times. Unfortunately, most of us won't be around to see it, but it's going to happen. Jerry, I, I, I totally agree with you on that. And, and one thing that I wanted to bring up uh, quickly before you know the show ends, and, and we've really flown through uh, you know the show today, and that is the role of the internet and the role of young people getting inspired and involved and intrigued in this whole subject area. Um, we're seeing, you know, the, the kid brothers of the original wave of investigators who were slowly losing them, um, you know, every year. And I think we need to adapt this area of research to the new paradigm, which features the internet. Now we all know that there are most of what's on the internet uh, isn't even worthy of your time to discover that it's just, <laughs> a bunch of true believer uh, fantasy. And what kind of way can we use the Internet to to possibly replace the old uh, you know, UFO conference paradigm, let's say, and, and move this thing forward in a way that all of our panel members would agree would be a healthy way to educate people, get the young people involved in this subject? What, what kind of... of way can we utilize the internet uh, i'm just putting that one out there for everybody I, I if if there could be a forum that was uh, uh edited by uh an intelligent 
uh, truly uh, curious individual who was well-informed, that would be a godsend. Well, it's, yeah, that, that's, that's, a good, that's a good idea, Nancy. Uh, but getting it done, I don't know. Uh, the Internet uh, is, is, you know, a lot different than uh, uh, traditional, you know, ufology was. So I, I, I'm, I'm somewhat skeptical if anything can ever, you know, develop there. It's, it's, so, it's such a free-for-all situation. I, I really don't know. And we do know this. We have a great collection of guests And we're going to continue with one more segment with Kurt Southerly, Jerry Clark, Nancy Talbot, Rick Hilberg with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to Mr. UFO at webtv.net. That's Mr. UFO at webtv.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes, revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporian e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service, fast, free, same-day shipping, and a 30 day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of a 100% blocked artery in both my legs. And my decision, waiting for surgery, to say no and try heart and body extract instead has been, thankfully, the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. 
or hbextract.com. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. Hi, this is Alex Jones. Did you know that the global elite are now storing non-hybrid seeds in secret storage vaults near the Arctic Circle? Did you know that in a real meltdown, non-hybrid seeds can become more valuable than silver or gold? It's true, seeds have outperformed even gold and silver before in this country, and it's possible that it could even happen again. So our friends at Solutions from Science have put together the perfect mix of non-hybrid seeds. They call it a survival seed bank, and it can produce an endless supply of nutrient-dense food for you and your family. And here's the best part. These seeds have not been genetically modified in any way, and you actually get enough seeds to plant a full-acre crisis garden. So visit them today at survivalseedbank.com. That's survivalseedbank.com. Or give them a call at 877-327-0365. That's 877-327-0365. Remember, in a real crisis, non-hybrid seeds are the ultimate barter item. This is Alex Jones for survivalseedbank.com. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. This is it, folks. We've been honoring the life and times of Lucius Farish by trying to put UFO research into perspective with Rick Hilberg and Jerry Clark, Kurt Southerly, and Nancy Talbot. See, I gave you all your names without having to look at any reference card. So those who say I am old and senile, no, not yet. I'm still here. So the point is also an interesting officialdom, as they say, in doing something serious about UFOs, Obviously, there are those out there who, I'm going to have to mention this word, just very briefly, the D-word disclosure. They tried that petition, which ended up being laughable in terms of results. So is there a way that we can persuade officialdom or official science? Let's start with Nancy Talbot. Round robin. Well, in fact, uh, we have, and I don't mean me, I mean we, collectively, have, in fact, interested some members at the highest level of official, you know, scientists. I know a number of them with whom we work, one of whom, a very prominent scientist with the USGS, who has recently retired. I, the point I'm, I want to make in, I have perhaps not as much time in all of this as some of you guys, but I'm seeing, uh, personally, a massive increase in top, I mean, top drawer, the, some of the best of our scientists, not just in this country either, who do respond to hard science if it is in their field, because nowadays science has become so sophisticated that a real expertise in requires enormous uh, amounts of work in any one field. One of the MIT guys that I work with, for instance, is a particle physicist. I would have to, when I was taking reports to him uh, from Levingood, who is a biophysicist, he would require that I uh, interpret the terminology in our reports. Because as a particle physicist, the terminology that he was familiar with did not include the kind of terminology that was regularly used in biophysicists. We're running short of time. I have to get to the other people on the panel here for some comments. The point is that, you know, that science has become very complex. When a piece of work is done that they recognize as real, they immediately become interested. 
I've so you have to frame it in a way that they will recognize. Rick Hilberg, what's your response? Well, I think I kind of go along with what Jerry said previously. I think in due time, science, as a, you know, the, the big word S, will probably get around to figuring out what, uh, what UFOs are. Uh, but it may take some time. And they probably aren't going to think of the efforts people like you put into it, unfortunately. They'll find it and discover it independently. And then the media Probably. will cover it seriously, but they won't recognize people have been following the subject for six decades. Is that what you think, Jerry? No, I don't think that. I think that when they do catch up with it, they'll see, they'll have to go back and trace the history of it. And they'll say, what did we miss? And they will find the most serious writers and researchers, and, they, and that will be the basis of the new science. No, I don't think that what we're doing is for naught. I so they'll be visiting lots of retirement homes, and they'll find us. Or they'll find our work. Kurt Southerly, what's your response? I suspect it's happening already. I think, and I, I referred to quantum mechanics earlier, I think the quantum physicists, who, by the way, are not very well liked from what I gather by the classical physicists who tend to look at quantum mechanics as voodoo or magic or something of the sort, I think the people that are involved in quantum research are kind of indirectly taking a look at the UFO phenomenon. And I think they're starting to suspect that there is a tie-in. And I think Jerry is correct. I think once they get more deeply involved in this, they're going to have to go back. They, they, there's no, they really have no recourse. They need historical data, something to use as a foundation. And they're going to have to go back through that, that information and take a look at what's been written, what's, you know, what's gone before. They have, they, they're not going to have any choice. I would sure as heck hope so. And I would think that Lou's name may arise from time to time when they do that. I would think so. That would be real nice. You going to say something, Rick? I just I, said definitely, I, yeah. Lou would be recognized for sure. I have one thing I wanted to tell you guys, all of you, and that is that these, some of these very sophisticated scientists with whom I've been in touch recently have expressed to me amazement when they, having become interested having done some reading, then approach their own colleagues with some of these questions, only to find that their own colleagues, people they've known their entire professional lives, will refuse to discuss these subjects. So we still have a way to go, but more and more people are beginning to realize the emotional bias that a lot of the scientific community has. And slowly, I think it'll be overcome. You have new wave science. You have the, the young researchers that have come on the scene just as 20, 30 years ago or more, there were the new younger UFO, you know, UFO researchers who came on the scene. But the, the young physicists, the young astrophysicists, the young researchers today do not look at science the way the old, the old guard looked at it. it exactly. They, they see it completely different, and they're much, much more open-minded about, about how they approach the, uh, these subjects. I've often said that, that science progresses one funeral at a time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of these yeah. scientists dies. You know, this has been the kind of session where you almost think we've got six people in a room late at night at one of those UFO conferences, talking shop. Lone Star Bar, Gene, at the Lone Star Bar. This is a classic Lone Star Bar conversation. Actually, exactly it is. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the best hear, part of any UFO conference. I can hear Gary Massey and Dave Perkins and, you know, 
these guys. Uh, no, 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 Nancy, Nancy, it's late at night and people are starting to peel off, and Gary's like admonishing them for not yelling calf rope. Like yeah. they, they finally have given up. So if you give up and you have to go to bed, calf rope. Exactly. Exactly. Hopefully, a lot of the people listening to this, they'll be listening to this probably late at night, and they're going to feel like they were sitting in a room with us. The only difference is that every 10 minutes, they didn't have the commercials. It's <laughs> the only difference. Otherwise, it's the same thing. Otherwise, it would be identical to the experience Ooh. of putting people together, and maybe the language would be a bit looser, but we have a family audience, and we have to respect their needs, but that's how it goes. Now, Lou would love that idea. I know he would. Oh, I so wish we could have actually had him come on, but came too late for him, I'm sorry to say. Well, maybe somewhere he's... Oh, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. You keep doing it. Thank you, Nancy. I'm going to ask Round Robin about where we can find more of your information. Nancy, where can we find more of the things you do? BLTresearch.com. Simple as that. BLT, like the sandwich. Kurt, your site is not up yet. You don't have a website. No, but all you have to do is Google my name and, you know, about a million things pop up, things that, that scare the hell out of me. And uh, <laughs> the uh, information in my two books is out there, and they're still available from Amazon or from Llewellyn, the publisher, and I'm still plugging away on my novel. Rick Hilberg, you have a physical publication with a physical yes, address. Yes, we do. Yes, Flying Saucer Digest. And I'll tell you what, while supplies last, as the old uh, advertising expression used to go, uh, send me a snail, some snail mail, a postcard, if you remember what they are, or just a note. Uh, you can send it to 377 Race, R-A-C-E, Street, and the city is Berea, B-E-R-E-A, Ohio, 44017, and I'll send you a sample copy of FSD. A real print publication. Jerry Clark, where do we find more of your stuff? Um, at your local brick-and-mortar bookstore or on Amazon or some other online publication. They're all there. I'm writing an article for 40 and Times now, which will appear in the summer. I do a book review column for Fate magazine. And uh, I just keep plugging along. I've got another book coming out late this year, and I'm about to start another one. So I'm always busy. And he'll be back to tell you about those books. Chris O'Brien's stuff, by the way, is OurStrangePlanet.com, OurStrangePlanet.com. Someday it's going to be redesigned, Chris. I promise. Uh -huh. Right. He doesn't believe me, by the way. I think Chris makes all that stuff up. <laughs> it is a strange. Uh, so that's all the release forms and affidavits I've gotten. <laughs> okay. Kurt Southerly. Jerome Clark, Nancy Talbot, Rick Hilberg, thank you all for joining us this week on the Paracast. You're welcome, and good night to dear Lou. Yes. Likewise. Good night, Lou. The Paracast. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast. <laughs>